The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the fourth chapter. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of the ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water I will give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who has told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. 
For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world, the Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. Good morning. How are you? Good. Did anybody get to play in the snow this week? No. Ooh, cool. What kind of what kind of things did you do? Nothing. Nothing. Me and my brother built like tunnels. Tunnels. Those are fun. Yep. Throw ice at each other. That's not a good idea. Don't don't keep doing that. Snow. Snow's better. Snow's better. Yeah. Games. Throw snowballs. Sometimes that's okay. Yeah. Um, we could play with Yep, yep. That's okay as long as everyone's having fun. As long as everyone's having fun. Yes. Clean the house. Yeah, I had to do that one too. Not my favorite snow day activity, but it needs to be done, right? go out in the snow. New question. Can anybody remember what we did with these blocks? Yeah. Yeah, what do we do with these blocks? Um, we were seeing, looking at the, the letters and see what, what, what they spell, what they right? Spell. And, and, the, and the yesterday, Sunday was love. Ah, love. They spell love, right? Mm-hmm. All right, let's put them out here. Actually, where can, can you see them here? We'll do that. L. I can't see it. Oh, that's okay. Maybe look in front. There you go. V. E. Very good. Love. Now, why did we use blocks to build love? Anybody remember? Um, to, um, like, build tracks or something? Yeah. So just like we build with a lot of other things, everything we build in our baptism, in our life with God, is based on love. And so we used blocks to build love. Oh, it doesn't say anything on that. Here is another question for you. This has to do with what we're talking about today. We'll start with this one. We'll start with this one. What goes in here? Water. That's right, water. In today's story, there's someone who's taking water out of a well. Now, that's a long ways away from how we get water. When we want water today, what do we do? Faucet water fountain, sometimes in a cup already, sometimes it's in the fridge and being cooled. Yes, a long time ago, 
there was just really deep holes in the ground. And they'd lower down a bucket, and they'd get some water, and they'd bring the bucket back up, and that was your water. That's what you used. They put it in a container. It wasn't like this. This is a plastic container. But they put it in a container, and they use it throughout the day. And every day, you had to go and get more water. So this woman was at the well, and she was getting her water for the day. And Jesus said, give me a cup. And she says, why are you asking me? <laughs> now, why would she say something like that? That kind of seems mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. They were two different types of people. Jesus was a Jew, and she was a Samaritan, and those two types of people did not get along a lot of times. Yes, Anthony. Mm -hmm. Maybe she was just shocked and said, and, you, and, you, and said it in a very scary voice because she didn't know it. Yeah. She didn't know him either. So they didn't get along. But Jesus said, if you knew who was asking, you would ask for the water, for living water. Living water. What do you think living water is? Yeah. Jesus. Close. Like when you get baptized. Yeah. Water. Put those together. When we get baptized, water pours over us in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we are washed of all our sin forever and ever. It doesn't matter what you might do throughout life. God loves you forever and ever and ever. And Christ, the water and the word mixed together, that's living water. Yes, Finn? Exactly. That's the water I'm talking about. Living water. How do you get living water? Mm-hmm. It just appears there? No, you actually go to a sink, I think. Just water. It comes out of the sink? That's fantastic. We have taps full of living water. Yes. How do you get living water? Almost. Almost. I'll, give, I'll tell you the answer. God makes living water. Yep. And God makes living water by combining regular everyday water, the water that comes out of your sinks, the water that comes out of the ground, the water that falls from the sky, wherever you see it, God combines regular everyday water with God's own self. Which is why this has a cross on it. That's the living water. And this water, who is it for? You. Yeah. Anybody else? Everybody. Everybody. That's right. Well, let me test those theories for a little bit. It's for me. It's for everybody in this room. What about the people who you don't like at school? Are you sure? What if they're really mean to you? What if they don't like, like you? What if they talk a speak a different language? What if they don't go to the same type of church you go to? God loves them. Not because of what they do and not because of what you do, but because God loves them. God loved us all 
on the cross before we even loved him. We'll do those next week. This is getting long. The foundation of everything is what? Love. The living water is for who? Everybody. Those are the first two building blocks of everything that we do as Christians. Love and everybody. Yes. Yep. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody like even Ohio State fans. <laughs> Is there no bridge too far? Everybody. And local fans too. All right. We should say a prayer. I think it's about that time. Would you like to say a prayer? Yes. Yes. Let us say a prayer. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for your love that's given out freely and wholly to all of us. How you love each and every one of us. We give you thanks for the living water that is given just as freely, not just to us, but to all people. We ask that we would love everyone just as you do. And that you would soften our hearts to do that when it's hard. Here in your, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. There's two things that this story brings to us as we remember our own Lenten journey, as we remember our own baptismal journeys. It brings confusion in the waters of baptism, and it brings an anchor at the table. Confusion in the waters of baptism and an anchor at the table. Last week, we talked about the central rock of our baptisms, of all baptisms, which is the love of God for the whole world. God moving towards us. Just like Joseph Mengus read, while we were yet sinners, Christ moved towards us. Today, we look at the pervasive nature of those waters of that love for us that we see in baptism, and we are anchored at the table. Let's start with the water. The Samaritan woman and Jesus have their conversation at the well, and I cannot make it abundantly clear enough how the Jews and the Samaritans did not mix. And the reason they did not mix wasn't only because there was a cultural taboo around it. The reason they did not mix was only because Jesus was a man and the Samaritan was a woman. The central understanding of why they didn't mix was a religious one. The Jews did not recognize the Samaritans as legitimate faith. They didn't. They believed that God 
and the covenant that God made with the Israelites was embodied in them. But not all people. There was a chosen people. There was a selected people. And that means that others are not chosen and not selected. And quite honestly, we see that throughout the Old Testament. The Samaritans believed that they too had a part of that covenant, that they were the left behind ones when the exile happened, and they worshipped on the mountain, on the holy mountain of God, where they had seen God throughout their own experiences in the past, and quite frankly, the experiences that the Jews had owned. But along the ways of time, they were divided, and they were not gentle cousins with one another. They were exclusive, they were divided, they were in two. The reason I point that out so forcefully is because we have the ability today to see people who we do not understand to be of the same faith, people who we do not understand to be of the same culture, people who we do not understand to think of the same ways about the same God. It's that kind of divide that we have in the scripture today. Not a gentle one. And so, Jesus, God incarnate, fully human and fully divine, walks up to a woman who is definitely not of the same faith that he is and begins talking. Begins opening up a conversation. And she responds to that conversation questioning it. Do you not know how this relationship is supposed to go, kind stranger? In fact, she's saving him from his own self. But he continues. He keeps going forward. He asks for water. And she says, no, why are you asking me? And he says, if you knew who was asking, you would ask me for some. I have living water. She responds with, you're kind of starting to sound like you're not quite anchored into reality right now. You have no bucket. You just asked me for water. And now you have water. No. Jesus keeps going and pushing, and soon we realize that he is talking about living water, about the baptismal waters, about the sustaining, life-giving waters that we have seen throughout the course of history. And Jesus proclaims that these waters are not strictly for the people who worship in the temple, and these waters are not strictly for the entirely different people who worship on the mountain. But these waters are for all who worship in spirit and in truth. Not because of your worship in spirit and in truth, but for all in the midst of spirit and truth. That is this. Today, I want you to hold in your head so that we can enter into this confusion. I want you to hold into your head the people or the places or the individuals that you are interacting with on a regular basis who do not act like you, who do not worship like you, who are not the gentle cousin of your Christianity that you recognize. Who are those people? Who are the people 
that are entirely different from you, and you see the cultural divide. In the waters of our baptism, we enter into a confusion because Christ claims that the life-giving, loving, eternal water that we are bathed in is also given to them. And quite frankly, if I was making this claim on my own, I wouldn't have a leg to stand on. This isn't something that we typically practice in some of our Christian understandings. This isn't something that we typically practice when we talk about one Lord, one faith, one birth. But quite honestly, it's not my claim. It's the Son of God. And so we're confused. Why would God give the sacrament? Why would God give the life-giving waters that identify who we are as Christians, who we are as followers of God, to folks who weren't worshiping, who weren't identifying correctly. And yet he did. So first we're confused. Second, we find an anchor. That's what anchors do, right? When you don't know where the water is going to take your ship or when you perhaps do, but you don't want to go there, anchor. Something to tie you down to where you think you should be. The disciples come back from trying to find food in the city. I don't know if they were actually successful or not, but regardless, they see Jesus talking with this woman who is definitely not a Jew. And as she leaves her water jar and goes into the city, they approach him and say, eat something. Because after all, we stopped here because you were tired and you were worn out and we went to get food. You should eat something. And Jesus goes on this kind of not quite anchored into reality thing again and says, oh, I already have food. Well, what are we getting food for, right? They ask one another, well, did you give him something to eat? Did you give him something to eat? No. Then he points towards the sustenance. The food I have is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. The food I have is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Now as a general rule, whenever you hear something like complete or fulfill or accomplish or end, though you don't see end a whole lot, whenever you hear something like that, it is typically, out of Jesus' mouth, pointing towards the cross. The food I have, the sustenance I have, what gives me strength and life is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. And what it is to do the will of him who sent me as to give body and blood for us and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin, what it is to complete his work is to give life. And we, as the body of Christ, continue 
to do the will of him who sent me and complete his work. The sacrament of the altar is both grace given freely and teaching. Not because of who you are, not because of what you merit, the body of Christ is given for you. And not because of who you are, not because of what you merit, the blood of Christ is shed for you, you and for all people. But in addition, as we return to our seats and as we're sent out into the world, we remember that we are the body of Christ. And we are to be broken for the sake of the world. And we are to be shed for all people. And for the same exact reasons. Not because we think the world is going to treat us well. Not because we think the world is going to honor that gift. Not because we think the world deserves it. And not because the world will treat it as a holy thing. We give ourselves into the world because that's what God did. Because when God sees the world in hurt and in pain, God moves towards it. And when we see that, we do the same. For our neighbor and for all people. Our baptismal waters always trickle into places that we didn't intend. And they can be quite confusing when we follow those little tributaries everywhere. And so we anchor ourselves regularly with understanding who God is, a God of love and self-giving, and who we are to be, sons and daughters of love and self-giving. As you continue your baptismal and Lenten journeys, I invite you to engage with those people, with those cultures, with those faiths that are entirely different from you, that do not worship the same as you, that do not talk the same as you, that do not think the same as you. Recognizing that the gift of the living waters of life are for them and that you are simply following your God there. May God anchor us in those conversations. May the wellspring of the living waters gush up in us and in them for all eternity. Thanks be to God for the sacraments. Amen.